Good morning and welcome again back to FBC Wimberley. I'm really glad you've joined us again today. Think about people that you know in your life that could benefit from these broadcasts each week. Gather your tribe and invite them to watch along with you. You can watch in your home or uh, a coffee shop. You can have a watch party online. Uh, shoot, if you live away from us, invite me and we'll come have a watch party wherever you live. So, uh, but thanks for watching today. We're glad that you're here. So thinking back in life, uh, especially like for me, I think back to a time when I was a kid, there were lots of things that I wanted to do that I promise you, my mom and dad didn't care a hoot about doing. Uh, but they did it because they loved me and they were trying to do stuff that I would enjoy. My dad had a, a favorite saying when we would ask him to do something that he really didn't want to do. He would say, well, I would, but I have a Tupperware party during that time, so I'm sorry I can't do it. And that was our way of knowing that Dad wasn't really interested. But uh, he was a great guy and, and did a lot of stuff with us. But I'm sure during the time when I was a kid, and I'm sure today for you that are parents that have kids and even you grandparents that have grandkids, there's some things that you go to that you go to kind of out of an obligation and not that you are physically suffering by going to these things, but they're just things that you normally wouldn't choose, but you suffer through because you love the people that are involved. So there's little times in our life, there's times in our life a lot, really, when we suffer through things that don't really quite go the way we would want them to go, but we have a cheerful attitude and we suffer through anyway. We're still in 1 Peter. We're going to have a passage today out of 1 Peter 3. Also, we're bringing in a passage out of 1 Peter 4. We're kind of skipping a chunk, and we're combining these two because these two passages today talk about the suffering that the people were doing that Peter was writing to. These were Christians displaced from their homeland into the Roman world. They were displaced from their homes, and they were living in situations that were not really in most cases situations they would prefer or choose, but they were living in those anyway. And to be a Christian during this time brought suffering on them, even to the extent, you know, on some occasions, physical malady and physical punishment as a suffering, and even sometimes death as a form of suffering. There are people today still uh, in the world. Uh, the last time I checked the statistic, there are 19 Christians that die every day at the hands of someone that kill them just because they're a Christian. So their faith in God is tested. They have an opportunity a lot of times to renounce Christ or to renounce Christianity, but they don't. And in some cases, they're killed for that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit as it applies, uh, as it applied especially in Jesus' time as we get through this. But suffering is something that is going to exist. In fact, believers need to expect suffering. Jesus foretold there would be suffering in Matthew 10, 22. He said, you will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Not only did Jesus foretell suffering for Christian believers, the apostles foretold it. In 2 Timothy 3.12, it 
In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And during this time, persecution could be as simple as kind of being scorned in your neighborhood. It could also be even death in some cases. And that's the people that Peter was writing to in this letter. The experience of the Old Testament shows that believers can expect to have some suffering. In Romans 8, 36, pointing back, it says, that is, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. The believers during this time had some tough times. Uh, to be a follower of Christ was not an easy task in, in some instances, and especially in some circles. But they did it anyway because it was what they believed. The experience of the New Testament, there's lots of passages that talk about the suffering and talk about the conditions of suffering that existed in the first and second century church. And if you're interested, there's lots of passages there. If you'll just click on our daily scripture on Monday, uh, my notes for this sermon will be posted there. And then Sean's notes will be posted for the in the room. So uh, check those out. And and I appreciate a lot of y'all have commented that you are enjoying our notes. Thanks for that. Uh, we put pretty good deal of time and effort into these and, and preparing for these sermons and we hope that providing the notes are helpful so thanks for reading those and thanks for reaching out and letting us know that you're there and that you're reading so trials are not strangers to a Christian life having trials and tribulations is not something that is strange to a Christian believer they are in fact to be expected trials that are part of the will of God are not warnings that we're disobeying God. They're God's tools for perfecting his own people. So there's never been a promise that Christians will have lives that are free of trials and tribulations. In fact, the promise is really just the opposite. There are going to be trials and tribulations. And there are times when we sharpen our iron in these times of trial and tribulation. So let's go on a little journey today. We're going to go through these passages in uh, 1 Peter 3 and 1 Peter 4 and see, what first, and see what Peter has for us and what he had for the people dispersed through the Roman Empire back in the time of writing. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for what you have for us today. God, the people that are watching need to hear from you. They don't need to hear from me. So God, I just ask you to give me the words to say. Uh, words that will be meaningful and, and hopefully God find an acorn of application in what we're going to talk about tonight to maybe, maybe not make life easier, uh, but maybe it will make our life more representative of living a life based on the life of Christ. So God, for those things, we appreciate what you're going to have to say tonight. And God, thank you for all the people watching. Uh, cover them in your grace and your mercy, just like you do all of us every day. Thank you, God, for that. And God, thank you especially for your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Let's go on to our passage in 1 Peter 3. These are verses 13 to 22. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
We're going to highlight that passage and come back to that in verse 16 now. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience, conscience so that when you're accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who were in the past disobedient, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Then we're going to skip over to 1 Peter 4, uh, verses 12 through 19. Sorry, this, I know this takes a minute to read, but we'll get through it. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. Just kind of as an aside, uh, we prepare notes each week and Sean and I talk about the sermons and we delve into a lot of different resources and commentaries. Uh, Warren Wiersbe had some really uh, pertinent things to say and I've pulled a lot of material today from uh, some of Warren Wiersbe's writings, so credit to uh, Mr. Wiersbe for his writings in these areas. <clears throat> first off, the first point today is that suffering for Jesus Christ is commendable. In Matthew 5:10 to 12, it says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you, and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So there is an opportunity to rejoice in the trials of life. There will come times of trial, and you can turn those opportunities into blessings and times to give God glory for what the outcome of the trial is going to be. When trials come, we're suffering for his, for his sake, for Jesus' sake, and sharing suffering with him. The suffering we endure now is but a prelude to the glory that will come to us that we will share when Jesus returns one day. 
suffering is profitable. There is profitable gain to be had in our suffering. In the Roman world, every year each citizen had to come and pledge his loyalty to the emperor. They would take a pinch of incense and put it on the proper altar and declare, Caesar is Lord. But for the Christian, they would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believers who refused to bow before Caesar would be, be harmed a lot of times imprisoned by the Roman officials. The Roman officials would write the name of Christ on the ground or on a wall and would ask the Christian to denounce the name of Christ or to spit on the name on the ground or on the wall. And if the Christian refused, he or she would be arrested, uh, tried, and perhaps killed in, in the Roman culture. By bearing the name of Christ, by bearing the name that I am a Christian, these people were put to shame before their friends. Just having the title Christian put them in a trial, in a time of tribulation, in a time of suffering. But having the name of Christ to bear is a glorious name to have for any occasion, for any time, and for the rest of time for all of us that are believers. So in thinking about these sufferings in these times, what, what nuggets of wisdom, what pearls can we pull out of this to help our hearts get through these times that are sometimes difficult? What does suffering do? Well, first it affirms the believer's adoption into the family of God. Remember, Sean talked last Sunday about in the Roman culture, if, if I had a couple of children that were my natural children, but then I adopted another child, that adopted child moved to the top of the pecking order as far as my inheritance and importance in the family. As a Roman citizen, I could denounce my natural children and really do away with them. But you could not do that for an adopted child. That adopted child could not be put to the side. When we give our hearts to Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God. And we cannot and will not be put aside by God at any time during our lives. Hebrews 12, 7 says this, Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? What's something else that suffering does? Suffering is the price of godliness. In Hebrews 12, 11, No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I know this is a stretch to, to put it in these terms, but think about those times where in life you have really just dreaded going and doing something. You had to go do it because you were expected to, or your kids were doing something, you knew you needed to go. And, and you just dreaded going, you didn't want to go, you kind of grumbled about it. But you know, after you went, uh, how blessed were you most times that you were there? How blessed were you when your child looks out from the audience and the face they see is yours? How blessed are we when in a trial and tribulation we look and find the face of Jesus and Jesus finds our face in that time of tribulation? God will wrap his hands around us, wrap his hands around our face, and call us to himself. And that's what happens in these times. Suffering sometimes is a condition of service. 
there's a, just a whole plethora of verses that talk about serving and service as a condition of suffering. And you'll find those in the notes if you want to look through those. Suffering also develops trust. In 2 Corinthians 1.9, it says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You've got to remember that Peter and Paul and, and all of the disciples, the people that were alive and active and spreading the church in the first and second century, all of those believers, there were a lot of times they were in jail, they were in chains, they were being punished. Uh, you'll remember that all of the disciples were killed, well, except for John, and uh, they just boiled him in oil and threw him on an island. Um, so there was true suffering in this time in the name of Jesus Christ. Suffering also can, and trials and tribulations of life can, develop our character in Romans 5, 3 through 4. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. There are times in your life where bad things will happen, and your response to those bad things will serve as an example of your hope in Jesus Christ to someone that doesn't believe. They will see Jesus in how you respond to this situation of suffering. And they may very well come to know Jesus because they have observed your response to this condition. There's a lot of times that we tell people about our hope in Jesus, and there's sometimes we actually use words to do it. But a lot of times it's because we are observed in our condition. So remember that people are watching. Suffering develops fellowship, it deepens fellowship. In 1 Corinthians 12, 26, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We are a member of the family of God. We are in a family of Christian believers. What hurts me hurts the family, and when my heart is grieved, the heart of the family is grieved. But when my heart is, is joyful and, and glad and in great spirit, the heart of the body is that way also. So just remember that you're not in this alone. You're in this with a great family of believers, some who have passed in the 2,000 years in between the first century church and us today, but also by the people around you. The body of believers is your family, and you need to look to them to help you through these times. Suffering draws believers to the Lord. There, as I look back on my life, the hardest times in my life, the sufferings that I went through were times that I really laid things down and just handed them over to Jesus. There are times when your sufferings, I think about this, uh, one of my bad habits is if I eat a baked potato, I always take the foil off and I ball it up and I get it into the smallest little aluminum foil ball that it will make and I push on it and I make it into a little ball. That's what we need to do with our troubles. We need to ball them up into a ball and then we just need to hand them to Jesus and let Jesus take care of the trials and tribulations that are in our life. And there's no reason to worry. God doesn't need our worry to help get us through a problem. We just need to hand things to God and let him help us deal with those things. 
in drawing believers to the Lord, Philippians 3.8 and 3.10, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I might gain Christ. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Paul was saying everything in life is really nothing. The only thing in life that's important is the knowing relationship, the loving relationship we have when we give our hearts to Jesus. In 1 Peter 4.13 it says this, back to our scripture passage today, Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also re rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. Suffering also prepares believers to witness. In your suffering, you can be a phenomenal witness to the people around you about the hope that you have in Jesus. Back to 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy. And this is really the important part. Ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. You will have times that you go through trials. You will have opportunities to show the people around you, tell the people around you that you are getting through this because of the hope you have in Jesus. Christians are going to go through fiery trials before Christ returns. There's going to be things that go on in the world. You know what? The world situation is not getting any better. Attitudes toward Christians aren't getting any better. The world has always hated the name of Christ. And those that aren't following Christ will always hate his name. If we identify ourselves with the name of Christ, if we call ourselves Christians, the world will hate us. If we compromise, we will escape persecution in this life, but we will also miss the blessing and the glory of sharing in Christ's suffering. In your suffering, be an example of the glory and mercy and love and power of God. That's hard. I get it that that's not where our heart goes, but God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never tell you an untruth. God will never leave you. God loves you. So as you encounter difficulties on the road, be a witness for God. And you know what? Be a witness for God too when it's the joyous times. Show God's greatness and grace and mercy when you're not going through trials. And help the people around you. Always in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. I hope this helps. Father God, thank you for what you had to say for us today. God, thank you for the words today. God, as we try to apply these passages on suffering, just remind us that in our suffering, it is only temporary. It is never alone. You are always there. And it is always an example to show the people around us that even in suffering, we can be joyful in the knowledge that God is with us and God is looking after us. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, that we can say we are children of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, amen.